morning's reading is from Acts chapter 2. And I've forgotten which verse it is up to. 21. Excellent. Good job you're on the ball, Queen. <laughs> so is the Holy Spirit. Let's read the story of when he fell upon the apostles and the others there present. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of our living God. Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much. Well, good morning, everybody. 
it is very, very good to be with you all. And uh, as we were exploring different dates to come, and it came down that I was coming on Pentecost Sunday, I thought, great, isn't that wonderful? Excellent. And uh, of course, it's one of the great festivals, isn't it? Um, my last church was in Blackpool, and um, I, I used to actually uh, start the Pentecost service because I said, happy, new, happy, oh, happy birthday, everybody. Because, of course, it's the, the birthday of the church. It's the, the beginning of the church's life, actually, on Pentecost. And, uh, you know, uh, there were always people there who looked rather confused when I said, happy birthday, everybody. Uh, but, but that's the key, isn't it? That the Holy Spirit is the key to us living the Christian life. So we're going to explore a few things around that today uh, and a bit of the passage that we had read to us. Uh, very well done with all those uh, names of places, by the way. Uh, yeah, that was good, wasn't it, eh? Um, I was recently doing a, a presentation as I kind of go around the diocese and uh, I got my PowerPoint, as uh, you always do, and, and, and it did that. It just went completely blank. And uh, you always panic at that point, don't you? And, and it was very simple what had happened. The battery had run out. Yeah? And I thought I'd plugged it in, and in the haste to get everything ready, I'd not actually plugged it in. Blank. And that can happen to us, can't it? The battery can run out. Uh, the other couple of weeks ago now, I was uh, travelling right to the, to the top end of the diocese, and uh, as often, I was on a fairly tight deadline, and, uh, and there I was driving away, and suddenly, beep comes from the dashboard. Yeah? We all know what that is, don't we? Yeah! These clever cars these days, aren't they? And I was thinking, oh no, that was the last thing I wanted. Uh, but uh, thankfully, I was only about three miles away, and of course, you've got 40 miles left when the beep goes, haven't you? You hope. <laughs> that, that shrug said it also. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a sorry sight, isn't it, though, seeing someone pushing their car. Yeah? <laughs> Imagine if I said to you, uh, I, I'd like you to come and see my new car uh, you know, uh, when it's coffee break. Uh, let, let, let's go out, and, and I take you out, and I, I say to one of you, I say, Robin, I say, uh, would you like a, a ride in it? So I say, sit in, and I take the handbrake off and start pushing it. <laughs> I think he would wonder what on earth I'd been taking. Yeah? Cars are not designed to be pushed. Cars have an engine. And that engine is what drives the car. And, and too often... In the Christian life, we are the equivalent of someone pushing a car. And it gets to be really hard work, and it's a grind, and it's drudgery, and church can be like that as well. And actually, that is not how the Christian life, that is not how the church life is intended to be. We're not supposed to be doing it all ourselves. God has given us his Holy Spirit. So, I want us to look at why the Holy Spirit is important and what the Holy Spirit gives to us in our Christian lives. And just reflecting back on that reading and, and the quotation from the Old Testament, it's to all people. The Holy Spirit is not just for certain individuals. On, on all people, says the Lord, I will pour out my Spirit in Joel. On male and female, your manservants and maidservants, Everyone, 
You're old, you're young, everyone is to receive the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to look at four things that the Holy Spirit gives us that is crucial in our Christian lives. There's a huge amount these days about uh, the word discipleship. It's cropping up all over the place. We've suddenly caught on to the idea that we're supposed to be disciples, and in church we're supposed to be making disciples. Very rarely, in all the books and the presentations on discipleship, do I see very much about the Holy Spirit. And for me, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is the very key to what it means to be disciples of Jesus. Because just as Jesus helped those early disciples, so he sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper today. To do all the things for us that he did for those 12 and the surrounding ones. So the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is so key to our Christian lives. The first thing he does is he gives us the power to believe. Now, there's a world of difference, isn't there, between believing something here and believing something here. Lovely passage in Galatians 4, verses 6 and 7. It says this, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. And, and, and too often we can get into uh, believing the right things, but actually it never engages our hearts. And, and that lovely passage, and there's a very similar one in the book of Romans, chapter 8, talks about the Spirit whispering in our hearts, Abba, Father. And of course that word Abba was a very special word to Jesus, uh, so special that it's actually transliterated uh, and comes right through into the, the English translations. Uh, so that's the, the, the actual word that Jesus would have used, Abba, Daddy, Father. So, so crucial. And, and it's that intimacy of our relationship with God as our Heavenly Father that is the absolute key to our belief in the Christian life. And, um, and so we're not slaves, we're not servants, we're sons and daughters of the living God, brothers and sisters in his family. And, and, and that intimacy of relationship is so crucial, isn't it? Uh, I remember when I first went to Blackpool, I, I, I taught a lot about intimacy of our relationship with God. And I remember one lady coming up to me one day saying, you've spoilt my religion. You've spoilt my religion. She got it all safe and secure. She knew exactly where she stood and what she was supposed to do. And this new vicar came along and talked about a deep relationship with God as Abba. You've spoilt my religion. I was really pleased. Yeah? Because I think Jesus did that all the time, didn't he? Because the Jews in Jesus' day were all bound up with rules and regulations. And you see, we can do that as well. In all of these points, there's a but. And the but is this. It is sometimes so much easier 
to obey a set of rules. Do you know, if, if someone comes along and says, right, this Christianity stuff, as long as you do this, 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 you're fine. Oh, we'd jump at it, wouldn't we? The security of that, that that's how the cults work and the different sects that they give a lovely security about what you have to do, and then you're okay. That's what the Old Testament very often was. And that's the trap that's so easy for us to fall into as Christians. What we do, rather than the relationship with Jesus. We slip back into the safety of legalism. What did Paul say to the Galatians? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started off with the Spirit, and now you're ending up in the law, the legalism. And Pentecost is a lovely reminder to us if we've slipped into that, because it's, it's a human tendency to slip into legalism. I do it. I think we all do it to one degree or another. Pentecost is a reminder that it's a relationship not a religion with rules and regulations. And it's a relationship with Abba. So perhaps one or two today just need that relationship with Abba restored and need the Holy Spirit to whisper afresh into our hearts, Abba, Father. Very challenging, because we have to step outside the rules and the regulations and the safety into that relationship that he wants to have within us. The second thing that the Holy Spirit gives us is the power to change. Uh, most of us, I think, realise that we're not perhaps all that we should be, uh, which is why we always start our Anglican services with a time of confession. It's just that reminder that we don't quite make the grade most of the time. And um, how, do, how do we change? Well... We change by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. It needs our cooperation for that change process. But I don't know if you've ever done this. You wake up one morning and you say, right, um, this morning, today, I am not going to get angry. You ever done that? What happens? <laughs> yeah? Within a very short time, it, it, it sods low, isn't it? It happens every time. Something will happen and you've lost it. Almost instantly. I am not going to be angry today. And, and you know, the, the, the Christian journey and life and the transformation that happens within us is not just us trying a lot harder. What does it say? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And those fruits grow in us by the Spirit. And, and, and that's not instant overnight, is it? Fruit. What, one of my apple trees, well, all three of my apple trees in my garden this year are wonderfully full of, of, of blossom. Do you know why? I pruned them savagely last year. Yeah? <laughs> I really chopped them. And do you know, that, that's part of the Christian journey as well, isn't it? that the pruning that takes place, but, but it's the fruit of the Spirit that needs to grow. See, if Christianity is a matter of uh, God saying, right, okay, um, 
the wonderful good news of Christianity is that uh, you can have your sins forgiven. There's the cross, turn to Christ, have your sins forgiven, and then try really hard to be better. Yeah? I hear sermons that say that. You must try really, pull your socks up. Now, to me, that's not good news, that's bad news. Because I know that as much as I try to do that, I don't, I don't succeed. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Against such these things there is no law, it says in Galatians. It's God's work in us. There's always a but, isn't there? The but this time comes straight after those fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, and we often quote Galatians 5, 22, 23 about the fruits of the Spirit. Can I read to you verses 24 and 25 of Galatians 5? And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So straight after saying about the fruits of the Spirit, it talks about our cooperation with the Spirit by crucifying the works of the flesh within us. I've just uh, recently planted a load of bedding plants. And uh, it's always the case, isn't it? As soon as you do that, it goes dry. Yeah? So we have a dry patch. So unless you actually water them, you don't get anywhere. In, in one church, we had a lovely couple that, that did lovely bedding plants around the church. And, and, and do you know, they grew far better than mine. And then I discovered why. Miracle grow. <laughs> yeah? They were pouring that on every week. And they blossomed. But if they put Domestos on, now you may laugh, but my father-in-law had the, the, these roses, and one of the roses got, got some disease on it, so what did he do? He got the spray, and he put some Domestos in, and he sprayed it with Domestos. Watered down, but it didn't do it any good. <laughs> We've got to crucify the sinful nature with its passions and desires. We've got to do our bit as well and walk in step with the Spirit in obedience. So it's a lovely combination, isn't it? Is it God's work in us or is it our work for God? Yes, it is. It's both and. But too often, we ignore the God's work in us. The key to the transformation of our lives is being open more and more to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The third thing the Spirit gives us is the power to witness. There's that lovely verse in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus promises, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Marvellous passage. We've had a call recently, haven't we, by our archbishops, uh, for prayer and evangelism. I'm very impressed by our archbishops at the moment. I don't know if you are as well. The real emphasis on prayer 
and evangelism and reconciliation as well, which is key in terms of the unity of the church. But, uh, but you know, run up to Pentecost, they were saying, church, pray. Pray for that renewing power of God through Pentecost by his spirit. And the evangelism will take place almost naturally. See, the key to effective evangelism is lives that are alive with God. If, if we've got true spiritual life in us, then actually, probably I'd be out of a job. Yeah, you don't need uh, a director of mission and encouragement in evangelism where a church and individuals are alive in the spirit. Because it simply happens. It's, it's infectious. You, you can't stop yourself talking about what's happening and about this Jesus. You see, so often when it comes to, to witness, we, we leave it to other people to do, don't we? There, there was a lovely piece of research done just towards the end of last year. I don't know if you saw it here. Talking Jesus. And um, there's a whole website that goes with that. By the way, if you Google that on the website, be very careful how you Google it because you get these little models that kind of, you know, Jesus that speak. And it's, that's, not, that's not the talking Jesus that I'm talking about. Uh, this was a, a very, very big analysis of how people come to faith. And uh, do you know the most effective witnesses and evangelists? Yourselves. It was all to do with friends and family. And uh, probably about 35% of people said how effective uh, friends and family were in their journey to Christ. These, because we were down at 1%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most effective evangelists we have are ourselves when the Spirit of God is at work within us. Yeah. Uh, and let's not underestimate the power of that and, and, and the way that God can use us, ordinary us, because it's him at work within us. We often say, well, but, but George, I'm not a very good witness. You know, it's a bit like, you know, some of us don't put a, 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 a kind of a sticker on our car, you know, a fish sticker, because that's okay, but I'm a bad driver. <laughs> yeah? And people always notice when you do things wrong, oh, it's a Christian again. Yeah? Yeah? And we feel like that, don't we? But, but, you know, in life it's not like that. In life, of course we're going to do things wrong and get things wrong. But it's the authenticity of what happens when we do that shines through. And let's always remember, it's not how good we are, it's the light of Jesus in us. It's his light shining through. And, and, and you know, it, I found that, um, that the people who think that they are wonderful Christians and marvellous witnesses often get up people's noses and are the exact opposite. And the ones who think, well, I'm not a very good Christian, uh, I, 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 you know, my life isn't great, uh, and they have a beautiful honesty and humility, they are often affecting people left, right and centre with their Christian faith. So if you're thinking, but I'm not a very good witness, George, actually, you're probably better than anybody here who might be thinking, oh, I'm a great evangelist. 
Yeah. It's the power of the Spirit at work in us. But there is always a cost. And, and as we read the book of Acts, we know the cost, don't we? The cost to Paul and some of the other disciples and apostles was often imprisonment, beatings, all sorts of things. We don't face all of that in our country at this moment. Uh, we, we might get mocked a little bit if we're open about our Christianity. People might poke fun at us. Can we cope with that? I think so. I think we need to. Jesus put up with a lot more for us, didn't he? And look what happens in some countries in the world. We, we live in a very, very fortunate part of our world. Let's be prepared simply to be open about our Christianity. Not shove it down people, but simply to be open and let the Spirit at work within us do the rest. And then fourthly, uh, it gives us the power to minister, to do church, to be effective. Uh, I don't know if anybody here is good at DIY. Any DIY people here? I'm, oh, all right, I'm pretty rubbish at DIY, but over the years I've learnt one key, key truth, right? And that's this. Unless you have the right tools, the job is ten times more difficult. And if you try and do that DIY job without the right equipment, you are, you're, you're, it's a loser. That's exactly the same with church. I believe that God has given us the tools for the job to do church. And that comes through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if we try and do church in our own strength, then, then it becomes like pushing a car. But if we, each of us, are seeking out what gifts God has given us, encouraging gifts in others, and actually working within our calling and our gifting, that makes church completely different again. Too many people are doing things because they've always done them. And actually, we need to be open to what God is saying and how he wants to use us. And I mean in every one of us there. We are all utterly unique individuals. There are things that only we can do for Christ because of the experiences that he's given us. And, and what is more, when we become open to the gifts that he might place within us and be willing to step out in those, there is even more that he can do. Gifts of leadership, gifts of service, gifts of mercy, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, all the different gifts that God gives to his people, where we're flowing in gifting and encouraging others in their gifting. Oh, it flows. The but here is that we can get stuck in a rut and we have to be prepared sometimes to step out in faith. To leave that place of, of security, because we know how to do that. We're fine there, thank you. And to actually step out to that new thing that God is calling us into, whatever it might be. And, and that can be challenging. And, and life's always like that anyway, isn't it? Because things are constantly changing. So it, it's challenging, but that's when we see the power of God at work in us. 
So, those four key areas, the power to believe, the power to change, the power to witness, and the power to minister. And we need, the Bible says, to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Sometimes we have great experiences of the Holy Spirit, and that's wonderful, but they're never one-off. Never one-off. We need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, I remember um, a man called D.L. Moody. Come across D.L. Moody? He was at the turn of not this last century, but the century before. And he was a great evangelist, marvellous evangelist. And, uh, and people used to get fed up with him in the churches because wherever he went in the churches, he was saying, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the key to everything. And, and he always went with the same message, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they got fed up and they said, Moody, when you came last time, you said that. And the time before, we've already been, why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again? And, and they were looking for some deep theological answer, obviously. And D.L. Moody said, well, we leak. We leak. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but we leak. We need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's never a one-off experience. So how are you today? And I'm asking myself as well, is there a a little beep going off on your dashboard to say, hmm, running a bit low. You're not going to keep going at this rate. You need to have a fresh infilling. I know I do. Pentecost is a lovely, lovely reminder of that. And it's a chance for us just to come before God and say, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And that's the key to living the Christian life in a way that is alive and effective, both within church and our witness. We can't be true disciples of Christ unless we keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's turn to prayer now and uh, let's just be open to Jesus by his Spirit coming afresh and, and whatever that means for each one of us it's always different isn't it for, for some people that's a, a big experience for some people it's a very quiet inward thing and, and God works with us as we are and where we are but just where you are and as you are if it's for you just echo the words of my prayer and may it be your cry of your heart Come, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful season of Pentecost and for the reminder that it gives us that right there at the beginning of the church, you poured out your Holy Spirit. And the church was so effective and lives were changed because of the presence and power of your Spirit. Please, Lord, forgive us for when we try and do this Christian journey of discipleship in our own strength. 
please, Lord, we come to you afresh this morning and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill us anew. Just as we wait in these moments of quiet, come, Holy Spirit,